Good morning. All right, good morning, MVCC. We're in a series called Choosing Sides. I hope today you just choose Jesus Christ above everything in this world. We'll get to that in just a moment. I just want to say thank you so much to, to Mary and the, the team that just, you know, during this time where all of our attention, all of our focus is always on worshiping him. Amen? So thank you so much, guys, for leading us into that place. Hey, I'm excited about what uh, God has laid out in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 12. We'll get to there in just a moment. If you want to make a a marker there, we'll get to that word in a moment. I just wanted to uh, celebrate a couple of things with you um, because we're always looking, God, where are you working? What are you doing? And how can we celebrate, God, what you're doing? It's all about God. It's always about him, man. It's never about a church building, never about a pastor, never about any leaders. It's always about him, and we want to keep our focus on him always. Um, So God spoke to my heart years ago about being a praying church, and a real conviction about that, about the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God comes through prayer. When we get together and we pray, uh, this God has the amazing ability to do whatever he wants. And so I really want to encourage you to come this Tuesday night to prayer night. Now prayer night that we have here, we have some worship and then we get right into prayer. It's not just about coming and, 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 and praying. It's about asking for what you need in prayer also. So if you need anything, if you're hurting, if you're sick, if there's someone in your family that's sick or you got this big decision you got to make or there's just a lot of chaos going on in your family or wherever you might be in business, I just want to encourage you to come at 7 p.m. to pray and ask God to do the amazing. And so I hope that you'll be here. We have full children's ministry during that hour because we believe it's so important. We put all of our effort into Tuesday night prayer night. So look, we've got to pray. Would you agree? How many of you want to see our nation change? How many of you believe and agree we have to come back to God? And it starts with God's people, so I hope that you'll be here for that. Also, I'm so excited about we are moving our campus, half of our campus, over to the other side of the property here. Behind this building, we'll have a new children's ministry and student ministries wing. And the reason that we're excited about this is because it'll be, you know, kids today, students, they need their own place. And so when they have a place where they feel like they can bring friends and, and really focus in on their relationship with God, and you know as well as I do, the younger group, are, they're, they're really looking for a community. So we have to provide a place for that to happen. And so we're just excited about all the change. I want to say thank you for your financial giving to God, to the local body, because it makes it possible for us to just keep improving and just keep building places for new people. We want to bring as many people as we can, amen, to Jesus Christ. And so a facility is just a tool that God's given us so that we can bring more people to the Lord. So we're excited. Hopefully that'll be finished about late October, and we'll be able to celebrate that at our Fall Fest, and I'm excited. So, um, also, we have a baptism. Someone gave their life to Jesus Christ. And so, um, delivered of drugs and alcohol. Just an incredible story. His name is Joshua. And uh, so, he's going to be baptized after second hour. The reason that I mention that, especially to our first service folks, is I really want you to pray. Just take a second and pray for him that God would just unleash his power as he's received Jesus Christ into his life. And a whole life now for him is going to change. We want to make sure that we're there in community and family for him to help him walk with Jesus. Amen? And so if you're here today and you think, gosh, you know what? I really think I need to give my life to God. I need to give God a try. Um, We're going to give you opportunity to do that. But I hope you do that. That's very, very, the most important thing we can ever do is get right with God. 
Um, I also just want to recognize that MVCC is part of our heart here, our leadership, is that we are involved in our community. We, we want to be an extension. We want to be an extension of God's love and service to people within our community. And so um, that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of prayer. But I'm just so grateful that within our city of Mission Viejo, our city council, particularly our city mayor, Wendy Bucknam, is so on board with Jesus Christ. And she loves what God is doing in the local church. She's here with us today. Last week, we got an opportunity to pray for young Kim, Congresswoman. Today, we're just going to take a moment and pray for Wendy, that God protect her as our mayor and the convictions that she has. The reason I believe that God has positioned certain people on our city council is I do believe because we've been asking the Lord the last 15 years to send a revival to this area, and God knows the perfect timing for that. And so when revival hits, the churches are going to be filled, great things are going to be happening in our city, and we want to have a city council that welcomes that, and they do that. So I'm just grateful. We're going to pray for Wendy. Wendy, would you just raise a hand so we know who you are? We're so grateful that God is... For such a time as this, serving our community, I know that's your heart to serve our community. So God, we pray for Mayor Wendy right now, God. We pray that you would strengthen her, that you'd empower her, that you would protect her, God. I thank you for the conviction that she has in her heart, that you are first in her life. I thank you, God, that she's committed to her marriage, committed to her husband, Paul, that, God, she is on point for you always. I thank you, God, there is no fear in her. I have seen her, God, stand up, stand up for you, God, in the midst of all the opposition that sometimes will come. And we pray that you'll continue to sustain her, breathe life into her, God, and we pray for all the council members, Lord, that there would be unity and there would be passion for the city that you've given us, God, to make this a great city for you. So we thank you for the privilege to pray. Thank you for 1 Timothy 2.2. You tell us to pray for our leaders. And so, God, we're doing that because we believe your word, God, and we believe that you're going to be an answer through Wendy to the prayer, God, of bringing a revival to our city of Mission Viejo and surrounding areas, Lord. I pray now, as we move into your word, that you would make Luke come alive for us, God. Thank you for Dr. Luke who wrote these specific words inspired by you for us today. And I pray that we'd not just hear a message, but we're willing to do the message for you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. 1 John four sixteen says, God is love. God just didn't demonstrate his love. God just didn't show his love. He is Love. I was impressed this after uh, this week as I was driving down Marguerite Parkway that, that that God desires one thing, one thing, the most important thing, and that is we receive His love. That we can stand in awe of God, in all of our mess, in all of our failures, and everything that has happened to us, whether it be good or bad, and God still loves you. He still loves me. He loves us, and my response to that. It's not just routine, but it touches, it moves the heart. It moves the heart to love him back. Do you remember when you were dating your spouse? Do you remember when you first had those very first weeks where you were dating? It was so exciting, and then you fell in love, and all you wanted to do was be with that person. You fell in love. It was this incredible, just, just unity, this, this synergy that you had. And, and love sustains all things. When we as a church of Jesus Christ love people on purpose, there is a church that is powerful. There is a church that is doing what God called us to do. And the reason that I bring this up is I want you to have a love relationship with God. Man, if there's one thing I want for people to say after, you know, it's all been said and done is those people at MVCC, man, they loved people to the end. 
They loved everybody right where they were. They fulfilled what Jesus said. Jesus said, love God and love people. And then the reason that I bring this up before we get into the text of the message today is that unless I have that love relationship with God, I believe what we try and do for Jesus is just out of the flesh. That it's out of the Holy Spirit power when you got saved that he infuses his spirit in you and therefore you want to live a life that's pleasing to God. It's not, well, I should live rightly. I should do these things. I ought to do these things. I've kind of compartmentalized my life where God is over here and work and family and all these things that I love doing. But God encompasses all of that because I'm so in love with him. Because he loved me first, I love him. And it's just an outpouring of life. It's just natural. Uh, This week, we said goodbye to a dear brother that's been in our church for 20 years. Russell Long passed away, and he used to sit right there every single Sunday. And he was a guy that just, he just loved, he was so touched with the love of Jesus. He gave his life to Jesus, and his whole life was about just loving people. He just, he changed from the inside out. We had an AA meeting here on our campus years ago that met up in building three up on the top, and we'd say, the the community would say, "Could, could we use... Uh, MBCC for an AA meeting. We said, of course you can. He shows up at an AA meeting because he needs some help. He's walking down the stairs, those stairways that we have right over here next to the parking lot. He's walking down and the Lord spoke to him. He told me the story. The Lord spoke to his heart about, you know, you should come to church here. That was it, man. As soon as he came to MBCC, he was loved. And because he was loved with the love of God, he gave his life to Jesus Christ, got saved, and he was bringing people in left and right. Just an incredible soul. We have another guy here, a part of our, our, our men's ministry, and he just lost his wife about six months ago. His name is Dave. And I've been watching this guy walk through the death of his wife. No easy thing. I can say I can't relate to that. But I will tell you this that I have been watching this guy as a friend, as a brother, just observing. This guy still has joy in his heart. He still loves Jesus Christ. He's serving here at MVCC. He's just serving people. He makes the most incredible monkey bread I have ever tasted. And I say all that to say, we have tragedy. We have chaos. We have things that buy our time. We have things that consume our worry and stress and anxiety. But when we have the love of Jesus Christ in our heart and the joy of knowing down deep in our heart, we know where we're going. By the end of the, we know where we're going. Then I can fall into line, alignment with what Jesus is calling us to do because I want to, not because I have to. I, I, I pray that you want to follow the word today because you love him because he loves you. So turn over now to Luke chapter 12. If you don't have your Bible, we're going to have it on the screen here. We're going to start in verse 22. I want you to see the crowd with me. There have been a lot of things the last couple of weeks that have been brought up in this moment. Remember, we had the rich young man who came to Jesus with a problem, expected Jesus to fix the problem. Jesus addresses the real issue of his heart. He continues on that very same theme here today about why do we worry? I've been asking myself that question all week. Mike, why are you worrying about things that I already have been to tomorrow? I've already been there, so why are you worrying? I think it's just something about we're human. We live in a fallen world. We still have a sinful nature, even though we're saved, we're covered by God's love. We still struggle. It worries me. When I hear pastors and leaders and Christian authority, those in authority say, well, I never struggle with worry. I just don't worry. I have the total peace of God. I just don't worry anymore. That's part of my past life. Come on, let's get real. 
We still have moments where we fall back. We go maybe back into the old life of worry and anxiety. I want to talk about that because God has given us some very good, I believe, some specifics about how to deal with it. So are we ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's read this text together. Then, turning to his disciples, remember this moment of thousands of people that are gathered with Jesus. He has a special teaching moment for his followers. We don't know exactly. We know that at least the 12 were there, but they are, most, most commentators believe there were other believers that were following Jesus. And so see the small crowd with me, Jesus' life group. And he says, that is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They do not plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you know, you know, you are far more valuable to him than any birds. So, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And that is a, that is a life verse for Pastor Mike today. We can go home now. That's enough for me, right? And if I worry, if, and if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, What's the use of worrying over bigger things? (laughs) Look at the lilies and how they grow. They do not work or make clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat or drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. And he will give you everything you need. And I love Jesus' just endearment here. So don't be afraid, little flock. For it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there your desires or your heart will be also. And everybody said, there are three things I see out of this as we read this text. When we read the Bible, we want to ask ourselves, God, what did it mean then? What does it mean to me? And what do you want me to do about it? I see, number one, a caution. Jesus is cautioning us to not worry. Please don't do this. Because if you do this, you'll have health issues. You might have mental issues. You might have issues and problems because you're festering and worrying. So much anxiety can overrun your life. It distracts from the very essence of the life that I put in you. So I don't want you to do this. I don't think Jesus was saying this with a stern hand. How could you be worrying? You shouldn't be worrying. Don't do this. Don't do that. I think it was out of love because of the context of what he says, little flock. It might say in your Bible, some of your Bible versions, my family, my friends. So Jesus is a term of endearment. I don't want you to do this because I want you to enjoy life. I want you to enjoy the life that I gave you. So there's a caution. Please don't worry about your life. Second is there's now a consideration. I want you to consider. Look around you. The birds of the air, the lilies of the fields, they do not labor or spin. They don't take time to worry about their life. Your heavenly Father knows them, clothes them, gives everything that they need. So that wonderful illustration that God gives is simple, so simple for us to understand even here today. And then, of course, now he gives some comfort. The comfort is your heavenly father 
will give you everything you need. So, I bring up the question again. Why, Pastor Mike, are you worrying about the church? Why are you worrying about my people? Why are you worrying whether everyone's going to get connected and discipled and love Jesus and everybody's on point? I want you to be concerned about that. I've given you responsibility over my house in the natural, but these are my people. So why are you worrying? I gave you a salary. I gave you a place to live. I gave you automobiles. I gave you clothes on your back. So why are you worrying about whether you're going to have enough of those or whether you're going to be in fashion or whether you're going to look right? Don't worry about that stuff. So I welcome today all the couples that are struggling about worrying about your marriage. I'm welcoming today the single person that's worrying, am I going to get married? Who will I marry? What kind of life will I have? I'm welcoming today the widow who's worried about being lonely. I'm, I'm welcoming today all those that have been through a divorce, that have a lot of questions, and still feel some of that stigma of being divorced. Can we just be real? Where God's house says, when we've done something, God forgives us of everything, and we start with a clean slate. But sometimes we worry about this stuff. Now, I have worry about this message. I was worrying this week about preaching on worry. I was having anxiety about it because I know that I'm not perfect in this. In fact, so you're not alone if you're with me in this worry thing. 40 million Americans, catch this, 40 million Americans. Now, this is the key word. Admit this is a problem, that anxiety and worry, those are the ones that just admit it. I believe that's at minimum doubled, at least. There's got to be at least 80 to 100 million people that deal with some form of anxiety and stress and worry. Pew Research did a a subject study about teens in America. In the last five years, this was what came up. Number one concern of teens was bullying. 50% worried about being bullied. 50% worried about drug addiction or someone that they love who's addicted to drugs. 45% said alcohol. Poverty in our society. Teens are concerned and worried about that, stressed. But this one, 70% was anxiety and depression that our students, our young people are dealing with. They're worried and filled with anxiety about anxiety and depression. So what do we do with all this? I think number one is we need to be willing to just admit it. This is something that is a concern of mine. So God, help me. What do you want me to do? So why? Why do we do all this? Why do we get so worked up? Why do we get filled with anxiety? Why do we worry about things? I think there's many reasons, but I'll just whittle down for the sake of time a couple of just my own opinions about why we get so stressed out and we're so disconnected with God. I think because we are less socially connected than ever and we have replaced relationships with tech. That's not to say that, you know, having a phone is bad, not to say that having a laptop or, you know, iPad, or that's not to say that that stuff is bad. It's just we're so focused on that. What does somebody else think about me? What is somebody else doing? How come they're loving life? How come my life doesn't look like their life? Ever asked any of those questions? We are so focused on... Okay, the the first row's with me. We are so focused on what others think and what others are doing through technology, we've lost that sense of connection. Have you ever felt like people are so disconnected through just talking and socially being together? Look around next time you go to a restaurant. High prices, inflation is kind of killing us, but next time you do go to a restaurant, I want you to look around at couples or families that are sitting at their table and they're looking like this on their phone, right? It's amazing to me. What We've lost a sense of, of connecting heart to heart. We've lost a sense of looking into somebody's eyes and and seeing their soul. 
We've, we've lost a sense of connection, I think, because of this. It brings great anxiety and worry over our life because we're so connected to everything so fast around the world that it brings anxiety and worry. That's why I will never stop hounding us and hounding you about get in a small group, get in a life group. Those are things that we have, we believe so strongly in relationships, we believe so strongly in discipleship, we have someone full time that's consumed and fired up and passionate, Pastor Scott, about making sure that our vision is fulfilled, we wanna disciple everybody in relationship. So I'll never stop asking, please get in a life group, please get connected, because unless we're connected, community can happen, and that's where the Spirit of God really starts to disciple us and we're filled with God's Holy Spirit and we want to follow the, obe- the, 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 uh, the commands of Jesus Christ in community. So I think a couple of other things here is about fear. Fear sees a threat. Let's go to that next slide if we can, Keith. Fear sees a threat and a reaction, but anxiety and worry imagines a threat and can't move on. Anyone tracking with this? The worst thing about worrying and having anxiety is about what if. What if this happens? What do I do if that happens? What if I get sick? What if my kids get sick? What if my kids' teeth are crooked? What if the plane crashes? What if I never get married? What if I'm a bad parent? What if I don't make enough money? What if my parents die? We could go on and on with the what ifs. It can consume us. And if we don't follow what Jesus is asking us to follow, worry And anxiety can absolutely consume us. Now, Jesus was so on point about making sure we understood that he came to free us from all this. I just want to go over a couple of places in the Bible, just looking at where where Jesus was. This is a place that Jesus, we believe, um, had the Sermon on the Mount. The greatest sermon that was ever spoken, ever, was in a place like this. And that's where he says numerous times, do not worry about your life. This other place on the Sea of Galilee, do you remember this place where the disciples were in the middle of that storm as they were fishermen? They, they were used to being on the Sea of Galilee. This great storm comes up, and they're caught in the middle of the storm, and they are terrified. Jesus steps up where he is and says, peace, be still. How many of us need to hear that word, peace, be still? This is another one of my favorite places. If I was, gosh, if I could have been there with Jesus... This is a place that he retreated with his disciples called the upper room. The upper room was where he would have these incredibly intense teaching and talk and just loving his disciples. And this is the place where he said, just moments before he was going to be crucified, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. This is where Jesus spoke that. Then, of course, we have a place that was far too well familiar for a guy named Paul who wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, who was literally in prison when he wrote this letter to the people of Philippi. And if there's anybody that ever had an excuse to be filled with anxiety and worry, it was Paul. At any moment, he knew that his life was going to end because of the gospel, because he loved Jesus so much, and he was willing to do what Jesus called him to do, that he was willing to give up his entire life. And he's the one that penned these words in Philippians 4, 4 through 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, 
this is so important to me. I want you to get this, Philippians, Mission Viejoans. I, I want you to get this. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Not only did the Apostle Paul have an intense moment as he was writing this letter in the middle of a jail cell, but Jesus himself, our hero, our God, our Savior, the one that we follow, was in a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Moments before he would go to his execution, giving up his life so that we could have life. It's in that most intense moment. You remember when Jesus prayed, and really what Jesus was praying, if there's any possible way, Father, if this cup can pass from me. Really what he's saying is, physically, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to the cross because he knows they're going to beat me, they're going to execute me, they're going to torture me on display for everyone. And I love about that is Jesus, I think the reason there's so many people, why in this moment that we read in Luke, there were thousands of people that crowded. Remember last week, we read about the fact that so many, they trampled over themselves to get to Jesus because he was so real. He was so authentic. He didn't pretend. He didn't deny. If there's any possible way anxiety in that moment so much that it says that Jesus sweat blood. It was so intense for Jesus. At that, that crossroads of Jesus making that decision was resting on his love for us and his commitment to the Father and doing the will of the Father. And because he loves you, all of our salvation was pinned on that moment. And I love Jesus for this. Not my will. Not what I want. God, but your will be done. Jesus gets up, goes back to the disciples, and they arrest him, and of course, they crucify him. The reason that I bring that up is Jesus understands anxiety. He understands what it feels like to worry about something. When my wife was diagnosed with cancer six years ago, which I'm grateful that we passed the five-year mark, and she got a healthy, I'm so grateful to God for that. But I will tell you, I was more in worry and anxiety than she was. And I can't explain why. I tend to be, as, you know, just kind of intense about everything. And so with that intensity, I will worry. And if I start worrying, then I get intense in my worry. Anybody identify with that? And so I was worried about doctor appointments and what are we going to do and how are we going to do this? Is she going to make it? Is she going to pass away? Is she going to be fulfilled? Is she going to be okay? What can we do to help her? And just all those things constantly the Lord really spoke to my heart about a visual that was, I hope this is helpful for us when we start to worry about things. That I, I believe life has four different components. God created us, which how many of you believe God created? Right? He made us. And he made us physical, of course. When it says he made Adam out of the dust of the earth in Genesis, then he created Adam with emotions and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We feel, we have emotions and feelings. Then he made us also with a brain psychologically. We can think, we have thoughts, we can process. And then, of course, he created us with a spirit. We have who we really are on the inside is our spirit. 
And so with that, there are different factors that can contribute to a life of worry and stress and anxiety. This particular, because of the sake of time, is I want to address the spiritual, and I, 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 I think what Jesus was talking to us about in this, I, I think it, it goes deeper than just pray about it. Well, have you ever had somebody say, well, don't worry, just trust God? That's true, but it can't just end there. In fact, sometimes when people say that to me, it makes me more frustrated. So, yes, there might be some physical issues and counseling and getting some helpful help might be necessary. There might be some emotional trauma that triggers anxiety and worry that I believe should be addressed through wise, godly counsel. And there might be some psychological issues that should be, again, addressed with those who are very wise and God has placed to give us help in that. But then there's also the spiritual that we can't ignore that. It's not just popping a pill and everything's better. There's a spiritual part of this, and there's a spiritual warfare that goes along with this that I think is worth addressing. Would you agree? So here's a question I have for us. What do we believe about God? The reason that I wanted to ask this question is because what you believe about God determines how you will handle chaos, stress, uncertainty, surprises, all those things that just happen in life. So there are two columns here I want us to look. If we are in belief that God is completely in control, if we believe that, and we believe at the core of the text of Scripture, all throughout Scripture, that God is good, then that is the basis for then addressing anxiety and worry. If I don't believe that God is truly in control, and I'm really not sure about God, are you really good because all these bad things are happening to me, and because life is just sometimes hard, do you see how then stress and worry and anxiety can run out of control? Does that make sense? So I have to believe, I have to come to a place, God, I trust you, you're in control. You're in control of the universe, I relinquish all my control to you, God, right? And then I do believe at the core, God is a good God. Even though bad things happen, I trust you, God, that you know what you're doing and you may allow something to happen, may not cause it to happen, but you allow it to happen, God, because you're refining me. You're wanting to make me more into the likeness of who you are, God. So Deuteronomy chapter uh, 31 verse 8 says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So the reason that text is so, so profound is because if we believe God's word to be true, then I know if he's never going to leave me, never forsake me, he's in control. God's not going to leave you. God is not going to forsake you. Even if you run away from God, he will never leave you. He will always be there pleading with you. The second thing is he, uh, uh, Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man or woman, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. What that tells me is that at the core of who God is, he is good. And if I hold those truths to be the core of my life, then when anxiety and stress and worry begin to overrun, I can step back and say, oh yes, God, you're in control. I'm going to choose not to worry about this. So, the prescription for this comes out of Philippians. I wanted to cross-reference the, the Philippians passage because Paul, now imagine him in the middle of the cell. Then he says, rejoice. 
In fact, I so much want you to get this. I'm going to say it again. Just rejoice, not in problems. I just rejoice, God, that I'm in the middle of this pain. I rejoice, God, I'm in the middle of all this turmoil. I just rejoice in the fact that I got all these questions and no answers. And that's not what he's saying. I want you to rejoice in the Lord. So what does that mean? At the core, I'm going to rejoice that, God, you are still in control, and I believe, God, that you're good. I believe that you're alive. I believe that you have risen from the dead. I have a conviction that you're returning for my soul. And then in the middle of all this chaos and all the stress and all the questions, and life didn't work out the way that I wanted life to work out, God, I understand now why I can rejoice in you. You you see that? That when we choose to rejoice, I tell people all the time, when you go out for the day and you leave your house completely empty, turn on praise music. Put on K-Wave 107.9 in your car because every time you get in and out of the car, there's music, worship music. I'm going to choose to put myself in an atmosphere, God, where I will rejoice in you no matter how I feel about it, no matter what I think about it, God. I will choose to do what you want me to do. And therefore, God eases some of our stress, some of our worry, and the anxiety. I hereby relinquish all control of the universe to you, God. I think we all just need to say that. Maybe we need to write that down on our notes. Let me ask you a question, those that are married. Can you control your husband or wife? (laughs) I'm so glad you laughed at that because of course. You know what's interesting about marriage? Women marry their husbands, their husbands-to-be, wanting them to change. And guys marry their wives, never wanting them to change. What's up with that? as we get married, we start noticing things that aren't so cute anymore. They're not so fun. And all of a sudden, those things start grating on us and irritating us. And now in this relationship, we thought it was going to be passionate and loving and fun. And where'd all the fun go? And all of a sudden, I'm wanting to control that person and they're wanting to control me. It doesn't work. It's like two ticks and no dog. It, you, it, it won't work. If you're looking for fulfillment in a person, in a husband or wife, it doesn't work. It can't work. Can you control anyone? No, I have enough trouble controlling myself, keeping myself in line. I think if we heed the words that Jesus is talking to us, we'd have a whole lot less anxiety and stress and worry in our life. Max Lucado, a profound writer, Christian author, wrote these words. I love it. We just just want you to just embed this in your mind. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable. Would you agree? But the prison of anxiety or worry is optional. It is. That is so, that is so filled with truth. I, I am going to choose to not allow worry and stress to get me in a prison. I will not allow it to be done. So God doesn't want us to be ruled by this, but the reality is life just brings situations that, yes, bring anxiety and worry. So many, many, maybe some in this room... I know what you're going to say, Mike. I know you're going to say pray about it. Yes, I'm going to say pray about it. But I want to give you something in the undercurrent that I've just recently found that has been helping me. Okay? You, you with me? Yes, we are to pray. But I've tried praying and no change. I've tried praying about my anxiety. I've tried to pray about, pray about not worrying about this. In fact, I forgot what I was worrying about. So now I'm worried about what I forgot I was worried about. And I pray about it. And it seems like there's nothing that's changing. He says three things, prayer, petition, and request. I want to go to this. Hopefully, this is some helpful help for us. Most of us do a general kind of, I would say, when I say us, I say like Christians in America, okay? Um, We have kind of a general prayer life. 
Uh, Lord, just bless my family. Lord, bless my spouse. Lord, um, just give me a great day at work. God, help my kids to have a great day at school. Keep us safe. Thank you for what you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Not wrong, but that's the first tier of learning about prayer, kind of a general prayer. Then there's um, a petition more specific, which we just read about in Philippians chapter 4, which now I start to get a little more specific. God, um, could you change my wife (laughs) in these areas? We get more specific. God, could you... Please get a stronghold on my kids. Could you, God, could you help me to pass that class? I'm really struggling with this class. I need you to help me, God, with this. So we get a little more specific. But what I want to key in, and we'll finish up here in just a moment, is I think what Paul was saying, and I think when Jesus spoke these words, it all connects together in the New Testament that we are to be ultra-specific about our worry and our anxiety. It's, it, it goes beyond just saying, Lord, would you help me with my anxiety? Would you help me not worry about this? I know I'm not supposed to worry about church finances. I, I know that to be true. It's God's church. He's going to touch the people of God, and we're just going to sacrifice, and we're going to give, and we're going to leave it to God. So why is it that I keep grabbing it back? Maybe I'm not getting to the underlying issue that's in Pastor Mike's life right now about being more specific. I'll give you an example. Why are you worried about not having enough budget money to keep the dream alive? Let's talk about that. Um, Do we really have to go there? Do, Do you see how if we start getting really honest with God and really get in touch with why we're praying a certain way or why we want God to help us in our anxiety, I believe then we can be released of anxiety and worry getting the rule over us. Those of you that have children or grandchildren, what happens when they come up to you and they're crying, can you help, 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 help? And you have to say, wait, slow down, give me your words, Speak your words clearly, what's wrong? It's my knee, I skinned my knee, and there's blood all over. And and now that they've got specific, you can address the issue, right? You already knew, but you wanted them to address it. What happens when we get real with our kids and our kids get real with us? There's a closeness that happens. There's an intimacy that happens that's so close with the people that we love, it becomes even stronger. So why, God, are you allowing all these things that I don't like in my life? And I've been asking you, God, to take away all the anxiety. Maybe God wants me to get so in touch with my feelings and how I'm feeling about it and what I'm afraid of. I'll give you an example. God, help me at work. Monday, I got this presentation. Just help me with with doing this presentation well because I want to do well. And the question comes up, why am I anxiety-filled and worried about it? Well, because I want to do a good job. No, let's go deeper. Let's be more specific. You're worried. Pastor Mike, about everybody thinking you're stupid because the sermon wasn't good. You're worried that the church won't grow. You want to just get real about, let's get real about this. If I get real with God and I talk to him about what's really specific, what is it that I really want from God? God wants you to get in touch with him by releasing what's really going down on the inside. Do you remember a time when blind Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside And Jesus, he heard that Jesus was coming by. Most commentators believe this guy was blind from birth. And so he hears that Jesus is coming. He knows that Jesus can heal. And so he literally, he shouts out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Jesus knew exactly what he needed. He needed to see. He wanted to see again. But Jesus asked him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Do you remember that? I'm going to just slow down here for a second, hit the pause button, because that is key. What do you want from me? He said, I want to see. And immediately Jesus healed him. Why did Jesus have to ask him? He knew. He knows everything you're worried about right now. But he wants you to get in touch with what's really going on down in the engine room. Why? Because he loves you and because he wants a close walk. He wants intimacy with you. He wants such a close walk between you and the Holy Spirit that you're just walking in the Spirit and nothing's going to affect you because you are so intimate with your Heavenly Father because you've gotten in touch with what you really need with God and what you're afraid of and what you're worried about and all those things. Ever had anybody in your life when you ask, hey, what's wrong? Nothing. And you know there's more than nothing, right? There's always something. And I think sometimes when I find myself doing that with God, it, it, it distances the intimacy that God wants with me. Mike, how you doing? Anything wrong? Nothing. I'm fine. Church is doing fine. I'm doing fine. Please don't go there, God. Now, how are you really doing? What are you worried about? What are you letting yourself get so worked up about on the inside, Mike? Tell me. Come to me, all that are heavy and weary, laden. I will give you rest. See how this works? God wants you and me to be so real with him and so honest that we can tell him what really we're afraid of. Well, I'm worried about the divorce. Are you really worried about the divorce or are you worried about being alone? What's really going on inside of your heart? Maybe getting specific with God isn't for his benefit, but it's for ours. Just some, a couple of action points here of what, what we can do about this and, and then go into a time of really focusing on, on Jesus in our communion. I have this, my prayer journal here that I just wanted to bring up and show you that, um, so when I have my devotional time, I'll write down the scripture verse that I'm reading for that day. I'll write some points out of there and then I have a prayer list of people and things that I'm asking God for. And the reason that I brought this book up is because I do have a page of things that I'm now being honest with God, more honest with him, things that I'm worried about. And there's a list right here. You can see a long list of things that I'm worried about. And the reason that I'm doing that is because going back to that visual, I want to be ultra specific with him. Therefore, he can get down into my heart and dig up some of those things so that I can find that peace and release it to him. Does that make sense? So I think making a list of things, don't feel guilty about that. Oh, I should be saved and sanctified and holy. I, Jesus said, don't worry. He said, don't be anxiety-filled, so I shouldn't be doing this. So I, I, I'm anxiety about having anxiety. Jesus says, tell me. Tell me what it is. So I think it would be good inside of your notes in the seat back in front of you. You can get all this, but it just real quick, make a list and present it to God. But don't just say, okay, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about this. But I'm really worried about this because, and take some time to do that. I think number two is celebrate what's true about God. That, 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 those two columns for me, that helped me. 
I always need to be reminded of things. You know, I think sometimes we fool ourselves and think you should know all this. You've been following Jesus for 17 and a half years. You should know this. But I need to be reminded. That's why Jesus said in the Old Testament, or that God said in the Old Testament for Israel, I want you to set up these monuments because they are remembrances of my faithfulness to you, Israel. So this is a remembrance. God is in control and God is good. Right? So I, I want to encourage you in your quiet time with God, celebrate what are the good things that God has done for you? What are the good things about God? And the last one is this new approach to prayer. I really want you to gravitate to this, man. I really want you to grab hold of this thing. Remember that? Can we go back to that diagram, the target, real quick, Keith? Thank you. This ultra-specific can open up doors for the peace of God to transcend everything that we're worried about. You know, communion every single Sunday is something that we offer. And you don't have to do this. We just want to make it available because Acts 20 verse 7 tells us as often as they met the first day of the week, they broke bread together. And really the context of that is they had meals together. They connected heart to heart. There was a closeness between the brothers and sisters, the family of God. But because of time, we still wanted to offer in the seat back in front of you this time every week. And I know that this is so easily, just can become routine. But I just want to encourage you as we close here in a moment, that when Jesus came, laid himself down on the cross, which is why we have communion, to remember, he died. His blood was shed so we could be forgiven. Aren't we grateful for that? But not just to save us, but to give us peace on the inside here until we get to be with him forever and I just thought it'd be fitting just to offer and just encourage all of us this morning to God this is what I'm worrying about and then see the cross God this is what's bringing me anxiety and then see the crown of thorns God this is what I'm worried about in the big what if this happens and hear the nails Go into the hands and feet of Jesus. God, we just thank you for the quiet moment, Lord. Where once again, we are reminded how much you love us. We're reminded this morning that your death and resurrection opened the door for us to be saved, but also God to have peace here in the midst of a world that's in so much chaos. And God, our prayer this morning is that we just can center down into that centerpiece of your love for us through the cross. I I pray, God, for all of us. I just reach out and just pray for all of us, God, with your arms extending out here this morning to each of us in our heart that help us, God, when we worry and when we are feeling anxiety. So just follow your prescription, God, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.